1: This is the day the Lord has made, and it's a gorgeous one in Augusta, Maine. Just got outside and took a kind of prayer walk. I like to do that whenever I can, especially on a sunny, beautiful uh, North uh, Central Maine day like today. And did some praying, and glad to be on the show, Wisconsin Christian News Television Live. The best place to find us on the web is wcntv.net, wcntv.net. We're live every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is where I'm broadcasting from in Maine. And today we're going to be talking with a really special guest, someone I've known for many years, and he's a fellow New Englander. We're going to educate all you Westerners (laughs) <laughs> um, where where it all got started up here in New England the home of all those colleges we'd rather forget these days Harvard and <laughs> Yale and all of that stuff the yeah. can you believe what is coming out of these institutions of so-called higher <laughs> learning well i think we got to rename that uh that saying to institutions of lower learning. Oh my goodness. What a disaster that the intellectual class has made of Western civilization. I'm going to give you a quick illustration in a minute of what I'm talking about as a setup to, as to kind of tee up our conversation, start our conversation with our guest today from Camp Constitution, spent many years working with the great John Birch Society. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, uh, and now heads up something called Camp Constitution. I'll tell you his name in a moment. But before we go there, Spencer, throw up uh, Rob Pugh's website for the newspaper. I always like to start the show by encouraging our viewers and listeners to check out Rob's archive. Great opportunity for you to work on your sanctification, to uh, d- to increase your knowledge base. Very important in this World War Three that you gain a precise understanding of uh, the threat. And the threat that, uh, that the entire globe faces now is really more spiritual than it is anything else. It seems like it's political, but uh, if you stop for a minute and think about it, or if you do a little bit of research, if you dig beneath CNN and MSNBC, you, you quickly start asking yourself, even if you're not a religious person, what in the world is going on here? And as you start to ask those questions, it's not uncommon for people all over the world to start to think about questions of the soul and questions of the spirit and religious questions, because this World War III represents the most profound threat to our soul and to humanity that uh, that we've ever seen in history. Um, We've already been through two major world wars in the past century, Little more than a century. Well, no, not about a century. And uh, now we're we've started the third world war. The stakes in this war are much higher than the stakes were in the first two world wars because what's literally at stake now at the hands of this global communist offensive is uh, our our very the the soul of humanity. I mean, we're talking about profound questions like whether or not we're going to be able to own property. And n- I'm not just talking about the nation of America, I'm talking about the whole world. We're 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 being asked to uh answer the question of whether or not private property should be a thing in the entire globe going forward. I mean, we're this 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 is amazing folks what we're and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that in light of one of the most uh profound and important and influential written uh, documents that humanity has ever produced. And it's uh, worked really, really well for 330 million of us on planet Earth for, uh, in, in, our, in our memory. And of course, that's the United States Constitution combined with all of our state constitution. We're going to learn a little bit more about all of that, uh, that matrix today with Hal Shirtliff, who's the leader of Camp Constitution. Be encouraging you to check out his website I'm sure Spencer has showed you um, the Rob Pugh's websites while I've been talking about that, so you've gotten a chance to see. Go check out his archive at Wisconsin Christian News newspaper, uh, which all of his archive is on is on the web, and then also check out WCNtv.net. Pass that along to your friends, family, people who have an open mind, who aren't uh, who aren't uh, full of. Uh, <laughs> All of this nonsense. Can you believe it? We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that nonsense uh, right now. We're gonna watch a one minute uh, commercial produced by Representative Lauren Boebert, and uh, it's entitled "Madam Speaker, Tear Down This Wall."
2: I'm Lauren Boebert, a mom, a small business owner, a defender of freedom. Here's what I know: you protect what you love. President Trump built a big, beautiful wall because he loves America. And he wanted to secure our country and protect us from drugs, illegal aliens pouring into our communities, and sex traffickers. Democrats, they fought him every step of the way. And now, welcome to Fort Pelosi, where Democrats decry walls from within their own heavily guarded razor wire wall. Democrats don't want to protect you, because they don't care about you, but they'll spare no expense protecting themselves. We will not build a wall. No,
0: there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. I'm not yeah. for Number a one. wall.
2: I'm not for a wall. It's time to cut the crap and remember, this is the people's house. Madam Speaker, tear down this wall.
1: So Hal shirtlift, come on in here, and uh, I, it's just bewildering to me what is what has happened to our nation's capital. I've enjoyed so many trips there with family down through the decades, and to think that the uh, great people's house, the Capitol building, which has been the home for uh, doing politics in light of the great United States Constitution for over 200 years that is surrounded by this razor-wired fence. I mean, Hal, does this have anything to do with our constitutional liberties or with, uh, with constitutional government? What in the world is going on?
3: No, it's not. In fact, it's, it's a really an outrageous thing. Uh, I remember hearing this slogan, uh, fear the government. It, 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 it would rather have the government fear us than we fear the government. But it looks like the government now fears the people, at least Nancy Pelosi and the leftist Democrats who control Congress by thankfully not a big margin. And uh, they're putting up, it is ironic how they put a fence around the the Capitol uh, to keep people away. Meanwhile, the borders have been wide open Things since Biden signed his executive order telling uh, ICE not to uh, deport people. And so while most people are walking around wearing these stupid masks based upon um, bad science and unconstitutional mandates to prevent us from getting this COVID-19, ni- I call it COVID-1984, uh, the uh, illegal aliens, many of them are coming in here uh, illegally, of course, with COVID, and they're being bussed all over the country. So, uh, So on one hand, the government is telling us they want to stop the spread. On the other hand, they are promoting the spread. So, the uh, Frederick Bastiat, the great French statesman who wrote a book called *The Law* back in 1850, I call it *The Answer to the Communist Manifesto*. He had a, a an essay where the poison and the antidote is created in the same laboratory, and that laboratory is government. And things don't change much, as King Solomon said, "Nothing new under the sun." Uh, people who love love power tend to increase their power, and that's what we see here.
1: So, Hal, I've taken to Uh, as I campaigned for governor here in Maine, using the term global communism. Am I exaggerating the threat when I use that phrase?
3: Actually, I think all of us who have been talking about this new world order, one world government, globalism, now the deep state, we've been totally vindicated. Mm. You know, back in the 80s, when you were reading, there was a great book, White None Dare Call a Conspiracy it was published in 1972 by the late Gary Allen. And you can actually find a PDF version of that on our website. You know, a lot, uh, people say, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists. But now it's no longer a theory. It's ob- it, they're, they're pretty much open about their intentions. You know, they want to have this some type of uh, they don't use the word uh, world government, they use global governance. They use terms like sustainable development. Uh, agenda 2030, but all of these terms all mean, of course, the cons- cons- consolidation of power. So, uh, so it's and kind that, of uh, much easier to now to again we don't have to be ashamed of what we believe. It's, it's obvious; it's in the headlines every day now.
1: But the one thing Hal that hasn't changed is the willingness of the lamestream media, the power, the, the legacy media, to double down on calling us conspiracy theorists if we dare to quote the World Economic Forum exactly and, or, and, or, or, and, or yeah. and you've you've been doing this for decades you in in your work with the John Burr Society and now with Camp Constitution you've been quoting these documents and talking about the, this um, this direction that the sorry about that somebody trying to make a phone call into my uh, million dollar studio here in my basement um <laughs> so the uh, they, they've You've known about that. None of this is a surprise to you. You've been talking about, it, but, but, you, you, you. The the lamestream media the whole time hasn't changed. If anything, they've gotten worse. But what's changed is the fact that that people are connecting like they've never been able to before using this technology. And it feels to me like the uh, lamestream, the main, uh, what Donald Trump calls the fake news, fake news. You know, they're doubling down and quadrupling down on the same narrative, the same thing that they've done our whole career uh, working in this field. Um, but it's less it feels like it's losing its uh, potency. And I, I my theory is that that's because of uh, sharp and effective use of this technology. And that also helps explain this uh, this amazingly uh a bold uh, censorship—that <laughs> campaign that uh, big tech uh, started back in 2016, when they realized Donald Trump was going to become the president of the United States—they just started. They threw off Alex Jones, and then and then they right. have—they haven't, they haven't stopped since. They just—they're <laughs> throwing everybody off.
3: Well, they—we uh, were uh, our our YouTube channel was demonetized about a year and a half ago. And I think they're doing what they call shadow ban because we've had some videos. For example, Professor Willie Soon is one of the world's top climate realists. And he's one of our instructors and we've got a lot of his videos. And we were getting hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, If you put in uh, Willie Soon's name, automatically our videos would show. now you don't find them. So uh, they're doing some of that, but we can still circumvent that and still get the word out. And I wanna give a shout out to uh, this wonderful uh, newspaper uh, Wisconsin Christian News I first found out about it from my good friend Bob Roy up in Presque Isle Maine uh some years ago and I enjoy reading it and I got a chance to work with uh, coach Dave Dabemeyer uh last January and I hope to uh, do some work with him in, in April in the Boston area so
1: yeah yeah so so um Camp Constitution is uh something that you uh lead every year right you is it a tell us about Camp Constitution. Right.
3: Well, we actually started off doing a week-long family camp back in 09, because of uh, there was a national program I was involved with, and it had canceled its uh, week-long camp, like eight or nine camps. So we kept our Northeast Camp, and we just called the Camp Constitution and incorporated, actually, in the early days, it was an unincorporated association. And then as time went on, the, you know, uh, we had, we had some, you um, materials that we use in our classes that were out of print. So I had a friend of mine said, well, look, uh, I'll pay to have them put in print. So that was Camp Constitution Press. We published uh, five or six books and we reprinted some great things. For example, this Color Communism and Common Sense that was originally published by a former communist back in the late 50s, exposing you know, how the communists use the race issue to promote communism. And it's still very, uh, we put it back in print about four or five years ago. And Reverend Stevie Kraft, our camp chaplain, wrote the foreword to it. And it's been getting a lot of interest since May uh, of last year, as you can imagine, as what we're mm. seeing is what the communists wanted way back in the thirties. And we're seeing, it, you know, they, they don't use the term communist. Now they get a group like Black Lives Matter working, but that's still very, uh... so then um, in 2017, I became the uh, full-time director of Camp Constitution. Way before it was a voluntary position. So uh, I travel around the region uh, promoting uh, the U.S. Constitution, promoting our, not not just our week-long camp, but our other activities. We have uh, something called the Sam Blumenfeld Archive. If you could look at our website, you'll see that little down uh, little, little link there. Uh, Sam, I think you knew Sam personally, but for those who may not be not not know who he is, he was one of the pioneers in the modern homeschool movement. Uh, he was a dear friend of mine, and when he passed away, he willed us his library and papers. And it was quite a feat because we had 200 boxes of books and uh, a lot of papers going back to the 40s and 50s and 60s. Great material. And we were able to um, PDF or, and a lot of the audios we got. even We even had reel-to-reels. We were able to uh, put that in MP3 and MP4 formats on this uh, Samuel Blimifle Ar- archive. And last year, we got over 2 million views by people all over the world, mainly in the United States. Uh, it's a great resource for homeschoolers, um, historians, and uh, teachers, educators. And so that's one of the things we're very excited about. We have a YouTube channel, as I mentioned earlier, a Facebook page, a publishing arm. And uh, we actually uh, have a learning center in Lexington, Massachusetts, just a short distance from uh, the uh, Lexington Battle Green. And we host events there on a regular basis. Uh, so we're, we keep busy.
1: So um, th- these are interesting days for education. Uh, your website provides is an illustration with the, the Samuel Blumenfeld book website. Give give that again so that uh, Spencer can put that up while we're talking. I want yeah to... uh, if
3: you if you, if you look at the home page you'll see on the bar you'll see uh, these I think we'll just say Blumenfeld Archives, and or you can just go Blumenfeld Archives. Uh, yeah, there we go. And all we, all we need is a. Um, an email address and a username because you can give us more than that. That's fine too. And you'll be able to get into that and have access to, uh, I think we have about 10 of his books that we put in PDF and the most important work he's ever did. He, he did was the most simplest. It was called alpha phonics. It was 128 lessons, how to teach people how to read. Uh, I used it when my children, oh, my, my wife and I, we were homeschooled parents and that's available as a free download. It's available in a, Um, uh, online version with all 128 lessons and audio or video uh, video uh, you know both you can use both Uh, we also have instructions on how to use cursive that's sort of a lost art today unfortunately and basic, basic arithmetic and then sam he traveled around the country and even other parts of the world discussing these issues what what happened why are we in the mess we're in and he goes back To this, uh, I hate to use the word progressive Because there's nothing progressive about socialism But he actually goes back to as far as Horace Mann Back in the 1830s and 40s And the influence he had He went to Prussia And he said basically uh, I've seen the future And this is what it is State control of education And then guys like John Dewey The next generation of socialists Who uh, thought being literate was not necessary And how they used the pulpit I'm sorry, how the classroom will uh, will be used by the secular humanist as the pulpit is used by by pastors and Christian in the Christian community. And they've done an incredible job. And the result we see in the government schools today is the result that they want or else they would have changed it. They want poor reading skills. They're promoting socialism. They're promoting abortion. And now they're aggressively promoting this transgender madness. And it's not just in the inner city schools, it's in practically every school in the country. How and that's, there's a, yep.
1: there to, to speak to that issue real quick, that our our governor up here in Maine, Jezebel Janet Mills, <laughs> who is killing everything. Yes. Literally, uh, is forcing through her Department of Education right now as we speak a rule. It's not going to have a public hearing. It's not the subject of debate by your elected representatives. It's being pushed as a rule through the Department of Education, through the school boards. And what I, what we're hearing is that most of the school boards are just passing it without debate. They're just, like many rules, get passed into uh, to where they can be enforced within the school They're without comment. They're just being pushed in without anybody knowing what's going on. But bottom line of what this rule does is it empowers guidance counselors to develop confidential behind-the-back-of-parents relationships with four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the purpose of opening their minds to uh, the question of whether or not they're a male or a female, a boy or a girl. So that it's to illustrate your point about where this uh, evil has descended to the depths to which it has descended.
3: Well, back in 1989, when I first met Sam Blumenfeld, at that time, I was a father of uh, of just one child. And at the time, I think she was only three or four. He said, never let your child set foot in a public school or government school. I took his advice. Uh, In fact, the only time my children did set feet uh, (laughs) in a school was to attend a church service. And some churches rent out uh, school buildings. Or when my daughters have their dance recitals at, at a high school. That's the only time, but never to be indoctrinated in the classrooms. And I think more and more Christians have come to realize that that's true. And in 89, it may have been a little more challenging to homeschool. Today, while it's somewhat challenging, the technology huh. they have that's out there is enormous.
1: Well, and, and, with, uh, and, with, and with COVID, Hal, I mean, it's like everybody's... That's right. They call it, what they call it, remote learning.
3: As we, It's called homeschooling, right? But they <laughs> won't even say homeschool because it has a different connotation than, than so-called remote learning. And a lot of parents have now seen firsthand what is going on in these government schools. So the homeschool... Um, movement is flourishing, even though they haven't had any conventions in a couple of years. And of course, you and I have attended conventions in uh, Maine and um, Massachusetts and I think Pennsylvania and other homeschool venues. But that doesn't mean that homeschool uh, movement is uh, is dormant. In fact, that's yes, the opposite is true. And I think I, I heard a statistic if it was 50% more people are homeschooling or some, it was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's about, you have to get your child. I don't, if you're, if you're watching this and your children are in government schools, and they turn out to lose their faith, it's because of what you did. It's your fault. King Solomon said um, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you're not going to get that in a government school. They're going to turn you into what? they're going to promote socialism, atheism, evolution, and homosexuality, and transgenderism. That is what they're promoting. So if your child loses his or her faith, you played a key role in that by putting them in that government school. There's plenty of alternatives. You know, how many churches out there, Bible-believing churches, all over the country that are closed except for maybe Wednesday night and Sunday morning? Well, let's open up these churches to uh, schools. You don't have to spend a million, two million dollars putting a new building. if You already have one. And you don't need lots of classrooms. You have, you have a lot of... Uh, Cloud, yes, hey, you're not listening.
1: To it. You're, you're watching WCNTV live stream, and we do have a couple of guests that have made their way into the program. If you're watching on Facebook or well, I don't know where we're streaming, but if you're watching, you can come in and be a live guest on the show, and we encourage that. You go to WCNTV.net, WCNTV.net, and I'm going to pause for a minute and see if anybody has a question or a comment they would like to make. You can ask Cal a question. This is your chance. Or make a point. So go right ahead. We're, we've only got a couple guests this week. We're hoping to see that grow as time goes on, as we continue to produce the show. But we're talking with Hal Shirtliff from Camp Constitution. Hal, I want to thank you for coming on the show on such short notice. I had oh, another glad guest to be on. cancel, and um, you're you're uh, you're unafraid of taking a stand for the truth in public. I know recently we've got, a, we're coming up to a break in four minutes, but st- give us the latest status on that uh, controversy that erupted in Boston over a flag. Was it a, wasn't it a flag issue? Yes.
3: Uh, well, we attempted to get a permit to raise the Christian flag on a public access flagpole in front of City Hall Plaza. That was in uh, August September of 2017. Uh, we actually have filed a lawsuit against the city. And thanks to Liberty Counsel, who took the case pro bono, that is on its way to the Supreme Court as we speak. And hopefully the Supreme Court will pick up the case and will rule in our favor. We just lost the case at the lower level, which we expected when you have uh, uh, Obama appointed um, uh, uh, judges. We didn't expect any justice in the First Circuit Court of Appeals, but we, we, there's a good chance that we would win our case. And that's why Liberty Council took the case to begin with, because they thought it was winnable, that it would set a precedent. And uh, so that's what we have. So uh, the same city that told us that it's a violation of the First Amendment. It's interesting how the left likes to be constitutionalist, like to when it comes to when it comes to something like this. But when it comes to enforcing uh, open borders, they're all sanctuary cities. They're all in favor of uh, f- uh, flaunting the laws on laws made in pursuance of the Constitution. But. It was ironic too the city of Boston seal and its flag contains a bible verse from the old testament from kings uh, first kings i think um and then they said uh, they changed this they switched it over to approved government speech so that flag and it's just a christian flag it's just a very uh, it's a, a you know very simple looking flag there's a red cross on the on the left you know in the the chevron i think it's called that's it there isn't any bible verse on there but uh, the fact is, we call it the Christian flag. They say that it's the, uh, not approved government speech, but approved government speech includes flying the flag of communist China, flying the flag of communist Cuba, flying the homosexual rainbow flag, and flying the transgender flag, just to mention a few. It's interesting, too, that they violate state law every time they fly a flag of a foreign country without a foreign dignitary being there in official capacity. So they can flaunt that law.
0: Um,
3: and. Uh, so but we think we're going to prevail and we have demonstrated already just how hostile the city of boston is to the christian to christianity and it's interesting our program would have been uh, consisted of a local historian talking about boston's rich christian history the city set upon a hill that famous sermon on the arbella by um, the founder of uh, governor winthrop uh, all the way to uh, Pope John Paul II's visit. There's actually a monument right on Boston Common commemorating that visit, and I think it was 1979. I was overseas in the army at the time, so I didn't get a chance. A couple of million people were there. Uh, it's just a great. Boston has a great, rich history, and uh, and we're also going to have a program, a little a presentation of why Christians need to be involved with racial reconciliation. We know that the enemy wants a race war, and Christians have to stand up and expose this kind of thing. That's why we need to expose groups like Black Life Matter, Black Lives Matter, and promote Christian groups like Every Black Life Matters.
1: and we're gonna and we're gonna that's what we're gonna start uh talking about when we come back from our break here at the bottom of the hour be thinking about any questions or points you might want to make if you're a member of our live studio audience if you're not in the live studio audience yet then why not join us go to wcntv.net and click on that big red button and it's real easy to come on in so stay with us through the break and go ahead spencer At the McClario Firm, it all starts with family. We're here to serve you and your family, online or in person. Call today for a free consultation. The McClario Firm, your law firm for life.
3: Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence. www.lynfrederick.com. You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. www.lynfrederick.com.
1: All right, we're talking with Hal Shirtliff from Camp Constitution. And someone who is featured as a member of their Speakers Bureau on their website is... Reverend Stephen L. Craft, and he's a black man who is a Harvard graduate and recently put out an email to Hal's email list, which I read, and it seems that Dr. Craft, Reverend Kraft, recently moved into Lexington, Massachusetts, and his uh, white liberal neighbors really like him and treat him, give him kind of a kid's, kids, uh, kids glove treatment because he's black. And Hal, in that email, he, uh, he sort of pokes them. I thought he did a really good job. You guys did a really good job crafting that email. You kind of, you kind of poke them for, for- uh, Right. <laughs> for well, it's, for it's being so, for being so nice to Reverend Kraft.
3: <laughs> this is something that, uh, no, I used to live in Boston. I've lived there all my life. I'm now living in beautiful Alton, New Hampshire on Lake Winnipesaukee with my family. Um, in the more fluent communities, Milton, for example, which abuts Boston, Brookline, which abuts Boston, you'll see not everywhere, but you'll see plenty of Black Lives Matter signs, or these stupid little signs that say, uh, in this house, we believe love is love, water is life, feminism is for everybody, Black Lives Matter, all this, you know, totally illogical, nonsensical um, purchasing. Well, you see that in Lexington, too. Uh, Lexington has a black population of about 1.5 percent and I was teasing Rev and his wife I said that's 1.7 percent since you and uh, your wife moved in (laughs) and they actually moved in to uh, be the caretakers of our learning center in Lexington and uh, and Rev Rev and Edith are very personable people uh, and uh, he's got to know the police pretty well there and, and some of the neighbors I think some of the neighbors find out what he stands for they sort of you know Yeah, they're not so. They're not hostile. They just sort of ignore. (laughs) But um, so uh, that letter, that that email, was used as a letter to the editor to be sent to the local weekly newspapers in Lexington, basically saying, "For all of you well-intentioned liberals, and I would have to assume that they're not all evil, want to see the world come to an end." Uh, anti-Americans. They're probably just kind of brainwashed. They went to elite universities. They make they good money. watch too much CNN, Hal. They watch they, they, C- uh, <laughs> Don Lemon on CNN and they kind of believe this stuff. Uh, in fact, Edith, Mrs. Kraft, had a MAGA hat on. No, I'm sorry. She did. She was downtown talking to this nice old white lady and they were getting along fine. And then she mentioned that she she's voting for Donald Trump and the woman just about had a heart attack. You know? <laughs> How a black person isn't supposed to vote for Donald Trump, don't you know? We know what's best for you.
0: You
3: know, you know yeah, it's condescending racism. So uh, I don't think the letter's been published yet, but I thought I decided you know, it should be used around the country. And the organization that uh, we were promoting in this uh, is a group called Every Black Life Matters, because Black Lives Matter, the organization that came up with that very clever uh, little three-word slogan, they're not interested in unborn, babe, un, unborn black babies that are being aborted at an alarming rate. In New York City, for example, there are more abortions than there are births of blacks. They're not, they don't really care about the black policemen or the black businessmen that have their businesses burnt to the ground, or women, for uh, uh They seem to care a lot about gangbangers and thugs who have uh, criminal backgrounds, get in trouble with police, and some of them die. Some of them may be... Uh, Uh, George Floyd, for example, here was a guy. He was in the cruiser under arrest. He got out. Uh, He said, I can't breathe long before the the police, the policeman actually even touched him. He was behind the wheel of his car. And that, and he, this man had a police record a mile long, he spent time in jail. He was involved involved in a home invasion where he put either a knife or a gun to the stomach of a pregnant Hispanic or black woman. but somehow CNN doesn't tell you about that. They might want to make you think that he was some kind of Sunday school teacher that was just innocently walking down the street and white policemen, as all white policemen do, just decided to pounce on him and murder him. That's the narrative, mm-hmm. that all policemen are murderers. We need to defund the police. Well, that view is not shared by the predominantly no, predominant number of blacks at, at all. In fact, just the opposite is true. And as I was saying earlier, you go through the affluent communities Uh, liberal affluent communities, you see these signs. You go to the black community, I only saw one Black Life Matter sign in Dorchester and Roxbury in my travels there, in mainly black communities. So why is it that these white leftists who live in these unsustainable homes, you know, five, six thousand square feet with three or four cars, nice cars in the garage, if not more, why are they so concerned about this, you see? If they're really that concerned about the situation and this so-called white privilege, why don't they give their homes to Black Lives Matter and move into the uh, to uh, you know some little shack or some little substandard housing? They don't seem to do that.
1: It's disgusting what has uh, what we've allowed to happen to our country. When when I say we, I mean. I I think that uh, New England has to take uh, a lion's share of the responsibility for this craziness. And I'm so glad that you guys are calling them out on it because this is where uh, this is where America, America's jurisprudence, America's sort of American philosophy got its start. And it's uh, and they and they're uh, they're pointing they are leading the way into this global communist uh, future. That the World Economic Forum is is uh, is promoting the intellectual heavyweights behind uh, that support CNN's narrative come to not exclusively, of course, but there's no lack of support from the Harvards and the Yales and their grad graduates and the narratives in the that darkness. That's right. Yep. In the darkness that come out that come out of these institutions. And it's it's very it's very sad, Hal, when you think about the profound uh, truths that are contained in the document that you dedicate your camp to, namely the United States Constitution. I was encouraged to hear you say that Liberty Council has the case and that they are optimistic about winning because that makes me think that even though we watched this, uh, we we watched the judges, the judiciary turn its back on the appeal Donald Trump made and so many of us uh, were supporting, to review the election, the election results from November third, uh, we we do still have a constitution. We, our our, ju- our judicial, sy- our entire political system is in trouble. It's a mess, judiciary, executive, and legislative. But it, but we still have it. It is in place. It's there, right? And you and you teach about it, and you're and you're using it.
3: That's right. The constitution that's there has been ignored. And I know there are some people who would love to see it change dramatically uh, to do a right way with, for example, Electoral College. The founders were so brilliant when they – and there was lots of debate. You know, it took from May to September to come up with this very simple – only, what, uh, how many – couple couple thousand words, right? This great document to govern. And it was based on a Christian worldview. And somebody said to me recently, uh, well, I don't see any Bible verses in there. I said read the constitution and ask yourself what type of world view could that be the product of it couldn't be the world view of an atheist a socialist a muslim it'd have to be someone with a judeo-christian or christian worldview because it presupposes man is pretty wicked and yeah. uh it said that you know because of that you have these checks and balances you know, incredible checks and balances and it made it was made very difficult to amend and the Electoral College was a safeguard against the concept of majority rule, democracy. The founders wanted nothing to do with democracy. You you read some of their comments. Uh, James Madison in Federalist Number Ten said democracies have been spectacles of turbulence and contention, shortening their lives and violent their deaths. Uh, they did have the Congress, the House of Representatives, is the people's branch. It is based on population, of course. That was a good thing. The Senate used to be appointed by the uh, le- uh, elected officials, uh, the state reps and state senators in the states. So at one point, the senators were basically ambassadors from the states to the federal government. And that changed with the 17th Amendment, which is regrettable that that was passed. Uh, and the president is chosen not by the popular vote, by the electoral voters. So the um, yeah, state of California with I don't know how many millions of votes, uh, 54 electoral votes, um uh, and some of the smaller states as well they still have a say because if it was based on the popular vote this country would be run by New York City Chicago um you know some of the other Los Angeles the cities with big populations they would we would have lost our constitution a long time ago so we need to, that's a great safeguard the the uh, electoral college It's something that we should never do away with but what's encouraging is that there's there's a big growing freedom movement and it's we see evidence of it all and, you know, when the when the, the the Democrats did not, I believe that the election was there was some states with definitely irregularities. And I think it would have been enough that Donald Trump should be sitting in the White House. Now, Donald Trump himself is not maybe a staunch constitutionalist as we would like him to be. But he was a far cry than anything I've seen in my lifetime. And I go, I don't remember Eisenhower, but I do remember Kennedy. I remember when I was a little guy, about three or four. But every president, and that includes Ronald Reagan, has always promoted big government. Now, big government might have grown smaller, or not as fast, I should say, under Reagan. But uh, you look at presidents like Bo- both Bushes, H.W. Uh, Bush, you can go on uh, to YouTube and put in New World Order George Bush, and you will see him giving a speech in front of a joint session of Congress calling for a New World Order. Then he to find it a UN as envisioned by its founders. Well, I knew who its founders were. And I would think that he's a, he was a CIA agent. He's a Yale grad. He's a lot smarter than a lot of people. He could fly a plane, pretty smart guy. Well, he's
1: being primarily a political ploy that is now entering into potentially, it seems to me, a period of intense blowback from populist movements all over the world and from freedom loving Americans, Trump supporters, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Patrick Byrne in his new book, The Big Rig, uh, indicates based on his research and his research is very, very detailed. He, he was working with some of the brightest, uh, minds who were focusing on this, uh, on this election on November 3rd. And he's, he started working with them in the summer of 2020 and, uh, he's still working with them today and he, he he details the work that he did with them and the findings that they made regarding the Dominion machines, regarding the irregularities that you mentioned in some of the states. And um, and he argues that Trump uh, got 80 million votes and Biden got 69 million votes. So, you've got the the rise of populism in countries all over the world, especially concentrated in Europe and the populism. South America to be, too. South America appears to be rising in America. Of course, but the Trump movement would have to be described. I could be fairly described as populism, and um, and and it appears that there's a little bit of a. A backtracking beginning to emerge at the World Economic Forum and some of their videos, they're taking them off Twitter, they're editing them, they're, mm-hmm. they're beginning to pivot. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the last week or two, CNN is beginning to pivot to try to blame QAnon for pushing the Great Reset. Mm-hmm. When the Great Reset is comes from the world economic Forum. it comes from the globalists,
4: and they're right. trying. They're to... also
3: trying to tell us that uh, a group like groups like the Proud Boys are the ones that really behind yeah. the riots, which is totally right. total nonsense.
4: Right, you i know, mean, when,
3: when...
1: knows this. So, just uh, so my question is, do you think? Uh, I think Americans are, a, when it comes to politics, a, a profoundly patient people, and I think that's because of the Constitution, and it's because of this sort of Im- embedded understanding that our government moves very slowly it moves in years in terms of uh debating and resolving and poli- coming to political to terms with things
3: and that's a good thing too
1: it's a good thing yeah and so i'm I, i'm beginning i've always been ho- i've always known that my own opinion is this thing's been political from the beginning the whole covid thing but i'm beginning to and i thought it would i thought at the beginning that it was a over that they overplayed their hand with it they went way too sciencey. And they went way mm-hmm. too deep. They went way too deep with the authoritarian response. And I'm beginning to see evidence that I that it that 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 I think they've done that. I think I think they did. And I'm kinda what do you think? Are, do you think that um we might be moving into a point moving to a point to a point where we're gonna be able to take the masks off, get rid of the distancing, all the the lockdowns, all that stuff? What do you think?
3: Well, when it first happened, you know, there was a lot of unknowns, you know the average person, you know, we're not ex- experts on uh, on diseases. So it was sort of like the first couple of weeks. And then, and then as, as these more – first they said um, they said that you had nothing to worry about. Anthony Fauci, the WHO, which, by the way, is really an arm of the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, this isn't that big a deal. And what the communists did in China is that they canceled all domestic flights but not international flights, something we found out you know a few months later. Yeah. And I remember, I remember it's, we were told, uh, go to China. I remember Marty Walsh, mayor of Boston. Go down to Chinatown. Don't be a racist. Don't close off the flight, because that's racism. To point out that, so if the virus is coming from a geographical area, which happens to be China, it's racist to mention that, which is totally insane. And I was involved with one of the first open-up Massachusetts rallies. It was, a, it was a convoy. We went through, we had a great time. went through downtown Boston and all the neighborhoods, most of the neighborhoods of Boston. We went through Chinatown, and this would be May, the place was both locked up. All the restaurants were closed. Even some of them were padlocked. <clears throat> but just a few months ago, we would said that we were racist if we didn't go to Chinatown and order Chinese food. People like Pelosi and other big city mayor, mayor of New York uh, was one around go going, around, go to Chinatown, nothing to worry about. Let's have a big celebration. And then all of a sudden you got to wear a mask. First Fauci said, you don't need to wear a mask. The um, surgeon general that you don't need to wear a mask, two months later, oh, you gotta wear, now you gotta wear two masks or three masks, you see. So I knew, and the minute they had the mask mandate, and I was living in Boston, uh, there are not as many freedom loving people as there are in other parts of the country. The people in Boston, let's say 80% of them love the mask. They're proud of it. They wear it, they'll wear it when they're driving, they probably wear it to sleep and wear it in the shower. Uh, Some of these people are very intelligent, they've got degrees, but they still are so afraid (laughs) And of course, in a way, you can't blame The media does a good job scaring. They call it panic, po- uh, panic porn. Oh, every day you hear how many new cases there were, and a case could be someone tested positive. And I've known people who have had it, and they didn't even know they had it. They didn't even ha- didn't have any symptoms. They got tested positive, so they went home for about three or four days, and then they got retested, okay, fine. Well, they've become a case. You have a case of it, you know. Here in Alton, um, i think there's one case in alt uh, in the town of Alton, 5000 people give or take and in the whole county there might be 30 or 40 cases and most of these people are just you know they they have a slight temperature they got the, they've not, got
1: the flu right they got the flu right
3: they got the flu they may even have had too much to drink the night before and they like, say you've got covid and I'm, again i'm not trying to downplay it i have did have a, a dear uh, my one of my oldest friends, his mom died died of it because she was in her nineties, she had pre-existing conditions. I think something like you know, eighty to ninety percent of these people that are dying are over eighty Hal years I, of age.
1: Yeah, Hal, I say that uh people die with it. They don't they don't die from That's it. Right. They die, they die die, it. That's right. They die That's with it. That's right. They die with it. And yeah. And the statistic the statistics bear that out. I mean, the recovery rate, the overall recovery rate over all age. All ages is something like ninety five percent, and that includes I all. I the think.
3: Old. I think. Yeah, I think it's even higher than that.
1: Yeah, and when you and when you start going below sixty years of age, or sixty five, maybe even seventy years of age, um, it, the the number uh, closes in on a hundred percent, and you get down right. to kids, and it's they all survive. All the kids survive.
3: And you know what's nauseating is to see little children with these masks on, and they're uh, and. You know, a good engineer, a structural engineer, before there's a project, a building or a bridge, they do a good job of determining the impact of this particular structure or bridge that it will have on the environment, it will have in the, the local infrastructure. The social scientists didn't do a good job here because there was a lot of things they probably didn't foresee. Like,
0: Yeah,
1: Hal, it begs the question. It makes you wonder if it wasn't uh, intentional and i have come to conclude based on my, upon my own reading and listening and research that uh it that that, that, that it is intentional it, I mean, no no they, i agree with that and you know they really don't to... they really don't care the the the, uh, the fauci's the fauci's of this world really don't care they don't, they don't care.
3: care um agenda 21 is something that i've discussed for years exposing it's a un plan to bring forth this green this green new deal green community and this lockdown was really very much uh, a big part of Agenda 21 because people weren't driving, they weren't going to plays, they weren't going to movie theaters, they weren't going to baseball games. So the carbon footprint was greatly reduced because of it. And so I think the, the world masters and world planners loved to see that. There were very few people taking uh, flying on airplanes. Uh, yeah, taking they're vacations? they're
1: bra- they're bragging about it now. They're bragging yeah, about they're, it. Yeah,
3: yeah. They love it. They love the lockdown.
1: And, uh, and
3: most of these people are pretty well to do to begin with. They don't care about uh, businesses they're going. Not, they don't. They don't own small restaurants, restaurants, right? That's right. right. They're, they're, not they're not locked
1: down. They're no. they're jetting yeah. around the world
3: and they're jetting around, Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I, I'm hoping that a lot of some positive things will come out of this. Like it's a, well, a lot of people have been awakened to what's happening.
1: How the and, clock uh, is running, and I want to make sure you get in a plug for the family camp.
3: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, we have a wonderful week-long family camp. That was a begin. That's why we started to begin with, uh, just a week-long. It runs from uh, July 18th to the 23rd at the um, Singing Hills Christian Camp, and that's in Plainfield, New Hampshire, just a little south of Lebanon, beautiful location, and we have some great instructors. Alex Newman, is one of our instructors. Um, yeah. Jonathan uh, Jonathan Alexander, an attorney of Liberty Council, is another. Um, we have pa- uh, Pastor David Whitney of the Institute on the Constitution. He'll be there with his wife. And um, we have oh, Professor Willie Soon, who is one of the top atmospheric scientists in the world. We, he comes here with his whole family. And uh, we also have ladies retreats. We have one coming up in April at the camp in uh, Singing Hills, and we have one in the fall. So, uh, if you want more information, and by the way, when I say family camp, it's entire families, even mother-in-laws and father-in-laws, grandpas are welcome, grandmas. Uh, we have unaccompanied minors, and we also have adults who maybe not have any children, but want to come and help out and learn as well. So it's for all all these different groups. And we do encourage early registration because there's only so many people that camp will hold. Last year, we actually had to turn away for the first time in our camp's history, because we just were full <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: in the in the middle of COVID, I think we were the only game in town. You know, only organization wow. that had an event. Uh, Thanks in, for staying in... open,
1: you guys. Oh are yeah, heroes. well I
3: appreciate uh, Singing Hills too, but no. And we insisted that we if we had to wear masks the whole week, we would not have a camp. And they said, no, you don't have to wear a mask. That's an optional thing. And I don't think any some few, a few people came to camp with a mask, and they took them off pretty quickly. So. So campconstitution.net, and you have a website that you can see, and can, you can look at our YouTube videos from last year. You, know, you can see all of the classes we've been doing since, uh, I think, 2010 are on our YouTube channel. So in uh, some of the activities, we actually have martial arts, uh, we have marksmanship. We're taking, hopefully we're going to be able to take a, a field trip to uh, Calvin Coolidge's homestead in nearby Plymouth, Vermont. Nice. If Vermont opens up, probably not by then. Now, they might have three cases of COVID in the whole state, so they've got to keep it locked down. Um, uh, and we have hiking and there's swimming. There's a pond. There's a, there's a swimming pool, and all kinds of great activities. And it's for all ages. We have a special program for the little ones called Patriot Camp. See, we love our history, and no. we don't. We're not ashamed of our history, and we instill. You know. and and you're not, not
1: tearing loving. down statues, right? You don't want to tear down the statues.
3: No, we're not tearing down statues. No, not at all.
1: Uh, unlike the, <laughs> so the we're, left, we're, so. talk, we're talking with Herl, Hal Shirtliff from Camp Constitution. You're going to want to check out that website, CampConstitution.net. Hal, I always like to end the show if I can on a on an up note, upbeat note. So, to, uh, what I selected for this uh, week's show is an upbeat country song. So, Spencer, hopefully, you've got that all queued up. And I, Hal, I think you're really going to like this one. Go ahead.
0: Truck session.
4: What's going on, y'all? In honor of Coca-Cola, I have written a brand new song (laughs) for you called Be Less White. That's right. The pamphlet that's going around Coca-Cola to all their employees right now, if you hadn't been paying attention, is how to be less white. All the reasons white people are bad. You know, at some point, I'm just like, damn. the, The hatred is real. Can you imagine if we released a pamphlet called Be Less Black? Can you imagine if, if uh, Coca-Cola did that? What would happen? Y'all, I'm from Mississippi. I don't care who you are, what walk of life you come from. You come down here and have a beer with me anytime. But this is getting comical. It's getting ridiculous. At a certain point, I think in America, we just need to be less stupid. That's what we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> Hope y'all like this song. Be proud of who you are no matter where you came from. In the meantime, we need to be less white. <laughs> Cola's done lost their dad minds. ¶ mines. The other white guilt's hitting pretty hard this time. I thought I'd seen it all, but as it turns out, I have to change my skin to live this one down. We gotta be less white, be less white. liberal liberals gone wild and they lost their minds. We gotta be less white, be less white. Now I'm switching to Pepsi and it's all alright. Said to be less white is to be less oppressive, be less certain and less defensive, be less arrogant. Try to actually listen. Well, Coke ain't getting served in my kitchen, be less white. Hell, be less white. It's liberals gone wild and they lost their minds. We gotta be less white, be less white. Now I'm switching to Pepsi, and it's all all alright. I got something for your little online training class. Take your little pamphlet and stick it right back up your ass. While I try to be less white, be less white, it's liberals gone wild and they lost their minds. We gotta be less white, be less white, I'm switching to Pepsi and it's all alright. Less, y'all be sure to subscribe that might even end up being the new theme song over at pepsi i don't think the boys at coca-cola are gonna like it much but over at pepsi you can have it if you want it <laughs> hey, it's a good thing all that <laughs> snow thawed out last week it's getting way too white around here <laughs> i sorry i couldn't resist y'all be good
1: all, all right so uh well, one of the things uh, Hal, how we got well just a minute left but we're with hal shirtler from camp, camp constitution uh, we'll close just with a quick uh, make, I'll just make a quick observation about humor I'm noticing if you're on YouTube if you're on the internet at all um, huge audiences are building behind humorists like this guy um, there's a guy named JP who's building a huge audience
3: mm-hmm. um, familiar with him
1: yeah and there's others and they're they're bringing uh, they're using satire from a from the from the right which hasn't been around in my lifetime. It's, and the it's the Babylon Bee
3: is another incredible one, too.
1: Babylon Bee. And yeah. the, these the, these outlets, uh, which are all humor, satire, um, are building immense audiences, very popular. And I think it's just beginning. I think we're seeing a major, Hal, I think we're seeing a major cultural shift now. We're beginning to see a major cultural shift in a, in a better direction.
3: I'm trying to get some of these statues that have been taken down in Boston. I'm telling the uh, officials there that we're starting an o, uh the Orwellian uh, Museum here in um, in in uh, Alton, New Hampshire, and I want to put them on my property so they can be appreciated by people who aren't afraid of uh, of our history, aren't afraid of being offended by someone they may not like historically. Amen.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Don't <laughs> you, don't well, you, well, dear viewer all. and listener, be yeah. Be offended this week. Don't be don't choose to be offended. I'd show you my oh here. Let me show we'll, we'll close with this. I'll show you my my new mask that I bought. So can you can you see it? Yeah, here it is. Good, good morning. This is the mask I wear. Good morning, liberals. Uh uh what are you what are you offended by today? <laughs> so I I wore I wore that one today. I got a smile at the sandwich shop. So hey, thanks for tuning in to WCNTV.net. Go to, go to uh, campconstitution.net. Sign up for family camp this summer. And Hal Shirtland, thanks so much for Thank you for
3: this. having me. God bless you. All right. God bless you all.